Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, welcome to the final episode of the Road to Berlin podcast. We're calling this one the finish line. It's um, a conversation that Brad Croker, Julian Spence and myself had about all things the Berlin Marathon, which happened a week ago today. We uh, made it happen. This was hopefully going to be recorded when I got back to Australia at the end of next week, but uh, we had a few emails and we really realised that a couple of people um, really get a lot of value when it's part of their weekly show and we really thought about how fresh the race was in our mind and we made it happen a bit earlier and were able to record it. So, you know, hats off to Julian and Brad. They're both in hol- on holidays at the moment over in Spain and in France. So, um, you know, for them to give up an hour and a half of their holiday time to chat on this podcast, which uh, goes out free to you guys every week, is uh, really amazing and very grateful for their time over the whole last weeks. Um, if you've got some value out of this show... A review on iTunes would be fantastic. It was great bringing it to you over these last 14 weeks and we will be planning to catch up with Viv and Bree over the next couple of days to um, to record theirs as well. But yeah, thanks for joining us on this journey. It's been amazing to see how many people have followed it and how much um, response we've got from the running audience all over the world and it's something that we're very much looking forward to bringing to you in future. And we've got some really good ideas and um you know, hopefully we're going to get presented with some really good opportunities in the future to be able to do something similar again. So if you've got any ideas or any opportunities for us, be sure to um, send me an email at bradytrailful at gmail.com or give me some feedback and yeah, that would be greatly appreciated. Anyway guys, thanks for this. This is the final episode of the Road to the Berlin Marathon podcast series. Enjoy. Is that better? Yeah. When I just listened to it back, I was the most quieter of the three, so you guys don't need to get any closer to the mics, but if I, I'm right up on the grill, that'd be all good. Okay. You've got to expect this stuff when we're sitting in three different parts of the world, though, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm not, sure. I'm not, as, I'm not as comfortable as I was last Sunday. What, sitting in a bathtub? <laughs> yeah, it's very comfy. Nah, what happened last Sunday happened last Sunday. We don't really, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I didn't end up at the Kit Kat Club, so I'm not sure how bad Julian's night ended up being. Well, how good? Yeah, it, we were there in and out too quickly. Left too early before all the the action started. Sounds, Jared, like, there's a, sounds like there's a fair bit of in and out at the Kit Kat Club. <laughs> yeah, I got out pretty. I got out at the right time before we saw that. Jared saw it. Did um, Mitch and Liam end up going there? They didn't get let in. Okay. All right. Losers. What, what did they end up doing, you know? i got no idea, but I, Mitch had to leave the next morning. He would have been fucked. <laughs> right, yeah, I was going to I was gonna keep Sorry. all that content in there, but maybe not. Oh, I'm sure he'd agree with us that he was fucked. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty entertaining. I've got some ripping audio conversations of him. <laughs> Bree got some footage of him. Belting out tunes. <laughs> yeah, he was in good form. Good form. That's what you want after your debut marathon, I reckon. <laughs> Carly's telling me she secretly used Bree's phone to videotape Mitch doing some dancing. Oh, well, yeah, I saw it on Bree's phone, so um, that's, it must have been her footage. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. I don't even think I was there then. But... <laughs> there, there was also some Jaeger ladling, yeah, like <laughs> feeding Jaeger out of ladles. That was Carly filming that as well. She's telling me laughing in the background here. I had to entertain yeah. myself. Uh, yeah, your boyfriend was in a yeah. fucking bathtub. Yeah. I was never, I was never in a bathtub. I was just like trying to record some real good content for the listeners out there, but no one could give me anything. No, no, no one was interested. Oh, well. I tried, huh? Great team to be Yeah, everyone was interested. No one could deliver, though. Anyway, let's get going. Last episode, the finish line. I'm going to name this one. Do you like that? Mm, very good. The road to Berlin, hashtag finish line. Yeah. Yeah, good. let's do it. Do you want to go back to the very start? Let's talk about uh, travels over there. Brad, do you want to maybe give us your... Um, let's talk about the lead-up to the race before we get on to race day stuff. So... You flew out on the Saturday, yeah? Um, yep, Saturday afternoon. So we went Canberra to Perth, Perth to Dubai, Dubai to Prague. Um, so that all went went pretty smoothly. Uh, didn't really sleep on the plane, even though I had a sleeping tablet. Um, but I wasn't that concerned because I wasn't racing. Um, I wasn't stressed that I wasn't sleeping on the plane. Um, got into Prague Sunday lunchtime because um, I had the cortisone on the Thursday before I left Australia, so I obviously wasn't allowed to run for a few days. Um, but then I tested it out on Monday in Prague, and um, it was pain-free, and it's it's been pain-free ever since I had the cortisones. So, um, yes, I pretty much ran every day up until the race, uh, a couple of days in Prague and then up to, up to Berlin. Um, yeah, I guess for me it was more just getting back into running. Um, so there was no... There's no real sessions to be done or anything like that. Um, I guess the only the interesting thing that happened to me, I guess, pre-race was Saturday afternoon. Um, while I've been in Europe, I've been doing this thing where I have cake of the day. So I just try and find a different type of cake every day that I'm in Europe. And um, Saturday afternoon, I was with you, Brady. We went up to watch the uh, inline skating. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, had my cake of the day. And... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of Euro- European wasps up there, and uh, 
they quite they quite enjoyed the sweetness that was on my fingers and um, and uh, yeah, I got stung by a Euro- European wasp and um, I'm allergic to bees and I, I wasn't sure if I was allergic to a European wasp, but about ten minutes after I got stung, I started to um, just get a bit lightheaded and and struggled to to breathe. Um, so it was a bit scary there for half an hour, not knowing whether I was going to deteriorate or not. Um, and I think that was just a, just another sign that I guess Berlin <laughs> Berlin 2017 wasn't meant to be. So, Did you know that story, yeah. Julian? Do you know yeah. that? Did you know that, Julian? Well, uh, yeah, I, you're still scratchy, Brady. I can't really hear sometimes. Um, I can hear Brad talking. We'll see how we can you hear me better now. Oh yeah, that's better. Oh, be yeah, yeah, you told me that story. Um, yeah, we I, we were trying to get to that look at that spot. Um, actually, so I'm glad I didn't because I don't know if I'm allergic either. But maybe I just don't have. The right amount of sweetness on me. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty scary though. Like I was standing there and there's nothing you can really do. And I made the joke that like, oh, you're not allergic. Your throat's not going to like tighten up or anything, is it? Next minute you look around and Brad's like struggling to breathe. Like it was, um, yeah, uh, pretty serious. Did you have yeah. to get like a shot or something? No. Well, luckily, I, I guess because the roads were closed, um, there was a, uh, a police officer uh, not far away. So Viv and her mum ran down. Um, and one, only one of the yeah. So I think the first guy they spoke to didn't speak any English, um, but then there was another guy that could speak a little bit, and they were um, asking whether Paul. But like, I just didn't want, you know. I guess this it's the sort of thing where um, normally when I get stung by a bee in Australia, it's just I swell up really bad. Um, but I've never had breathing issues before, and I guess it's one of those things you just don't know how quickly it's going to deteriorate. Um, but I, I didn't really want an ambulance because I just didn't want to have all the paperwork to fill out. And so um, as it turned out, I was, I was fine after sort of an hour or two. Um, I was just, just felt like I was at altitude. I, mean, I was just really sucked, really struggling to suck in a breath. So, yeah, um, yeah so that was, that was my lead up to the race. Well, what about just being in Berlin of the week of a major marathon and um, knowing you're not running it? How were you kind of dealing with that? Um, well, I guess I was... Certainly wouldn't be doing that if I was racing. Um, I guess another story w- was going to pick up my race bib from the race hotel. Um, was a pretty cool experience bumping into um, Mona there, um, you know, previous winner in 1990. And then as Viv and I were leaving, um, noticed Bikili was sitting there. Bikili was sitting down in the reception, and um, I said, I gave Viv all of my bags and said, Viv. Can you take a photo? And um, yeah, went up to Bikili and got a photo, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I was, I was super, super relaxed. I guess um, wasn't too like I guess I'd sort of come to the realization that I wasn't going to race. So I was, I was okay with it. Um, we'll get to race day, and it was, it was there was one point during the race where I, it probably hit home. It was probably the hardest point for me, but um, yeah, we'll get to that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, and Viv didn't even know who Bikili was. No, so... Um, Had to prove it. After we, after we left the hotel, um, she goes, which one was that? And I said, that's Bikili, and because it was on her phone, she posted, she posted it on Instagram and Facebook, but before she did, she made me prove that it was him by finding another photo online. 
and um, <laughs> she was happy. She was happy that it looked like him, and so she put it up. Close um, enough. Close yeah. enough. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, good. Julian, talk us about your preparation uh, from leaving Ballarat to getting to Berlin. Yeah, well, we. It's such a long flight. I've never gone to Europe before, so that was like the longest travel um, journey that I've been on, and it's pretty intense. Like. We flew to Brunei, um, and then from Brunei, it was our ticket had always said like Brunei to London, but on the board, or like on the gate, it was saying where we were boarding the second flight. It was saying um, London via Dubai, so we couldn't work out what was happening and. Um, we just sort of followed along because it, it was the same flight number and everything. And it turns out that they they actually do stop over in Dubai on the way. So we had, we had no idea that was happening. So that threw us a little bit. Um, it's like a half an hour. Oh no, an hour stopover um, rather than going directly there. But when they when they sell you the tickets and everything, they don't tell you about that. It's just it's just a bit strange that we that happened. Um, in the end, it was like. It, was, it all went to plan, took some sleeping tablets and, and got sleep when I needed to, just got really tight, like as you do when you sit down for so long, really tight through the lower back and the, the glutes. Um, but that's why you travel a week earlier, I guess, so you can try to shake that before the, the event. Um, so I got into London and uh, jogged most days, had one day where I didn't jog, um, and Bree and I, we... we we ran through Hyde Park every day. Hyde Park? Yeah, there's like Hyde Park and then Kensington Gardens, and they pretty much join. It's actually a really good spot for running. Um, heaps of people out, heaps of different loops you can do. Pretty flat, and um, jogged through there most days and, and did a session one day. Weather was good, like not too, too cold, definitely not too hot. Uh, probably like what I would do next time. Two things about the that initial week lead up. Um, one, I wouldn't stay in a different city to to the race because it makes getting across to the race city like just that little bit more stressful close to the day. So on Friday before the race, we we actually had to get up at like four o'clock to get to the um, to get to the airport and it basically didn't sleep the night before. So I ended up getting to Berlin Friday afternoon, just really tired and worn out. And um, that's not ideal two days before. And then the other thing would be probably don't schedule like going to a big city you've never been to and you want the week before because you really want to explore. And I think it was the maybe the Tuesday we walked. I, I think I clocked 35,000 steps for the day um, on my watch, which is enormous it was <laughs> and, and we were both just cooked like we were getting sore in spots that only walkers get sore in and oh, it was just draining us and but then we, we woke up and we thought well we're not we want to go and do shit today so it's sort of like a balancing act um i wouldn't do it again i'd probably fly straight to the city and just be a nerd and just sit in my hotel all day i reckon that <laughs> that's probably ideal but we're still like this is my first time in Europe. I want to go out and see stuff. Um, so yeah, that was how that that week went before it, and um, it was all pretty, pretty uh, non-eventful. 
talk us through the last session. Oh, yeah. So two by ten minutes at around race pace, and it's in Kensington Gardens when I started and I had the shoes on and there was a lot of people around. And it just, like, first little section was downhill. I just started flying along, like, just felt <laughs> felt amazing. Looked down and, like, oh, 25 seconds quicker than what I should be. Uh, so the rest of the rep, first 10 minutes, um, slowing down and just had the brakes on. And then the second rep sort of went up a hill, dodging in and out of people. It, it wasn't a very good workout, but... Um, it's really nice to tick that last one off because that's when the work really ends. Like, and, and you test everything out. Shoes felt good. Pace felt really easy. Like, it just it just gives you a little bit of confidence, I reckon, that last workout. Um, yeah, and, and it's a good place. Kensington Gardens, where I did it, it's really nice. And Hyde Park, like, if you're in London, then that's the spot to run. That's the spot. Yeah, Brad and I were talking about that um, time on your feet as well. I think he was doing a bit of sightseeing stuff leading into into race day, and he kind of just said if it wasn't, you know, if he was racing, he wouldn't have wanted to be doing the amount of walking he was on the feet. Is that right, Brad? Like we're talking about that yeah. day we're jogging. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it wasn't until um, Julian said that that because um, we had like we flew into Prague and we did a little bit of sightseeing um, on the Monday, and then we went to Berlin on the Tuesday, but we'd all always schedule in a walking tour on the Wednesday in Berlin and then a day trip out to this concentration camp on the on the Thursday. And um, each day I was absolutely stuffed by the end of it because I think what's hard for us as well, especially me, is I'll run 180K a week, but when I'm not running, I'm not doing anything. So just being on my feet all day um, just made me so tired and, I said to Viv, it's it's a good thing I'm not racing because I'd be pretty pissed off at how at how tired I am each day going into a, a big race. So um, yeah, so maybe maybe there's like a two thirteen there, Jules, if you hadn't walked around. I reckon two ten. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'll I'll have to try it next time. We haven't even spoken um, about yeah, the humidity I'm, and rain yet. Wait till we get to that. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't do too much sightseeing. Um, like next time, if I yeah, next time I make the start line. Yeah, yeah. it's so Just learning stuff. It's good. It's so hard though because you got that you know it's the opportunity that you're on the other side of the world and you may not be there ever again. And it's yeah, I know I found it. I did went straight to Berlin for that reason because I went to Prague before it last year, and I just wanted to be in Berlin and kind of settled for race day. But then I still found that I was wanting to do stuff and kind of getting, you know, 25,000 or 25K up on the watch pretty easy without, you know, doing an hour or 50-minute jog in the morning. And, yeah, you still want to see stuff even though you're in the city of the race. It's a Because at the end of the day, sitting around like watching Netflix, like I was doing a bit of that and just reading and stuff, but then it starts to do your head in because you start thinking about the race too much. I think there's a fine fine balance between doing enough but not too much. Yeah. 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 That is fine, that balance. It's, it's probably just a matter of like, I don't know, limiting it. Because you do want to get out. I know who doesn't want to get out. And it would be a waste. Like, we're not professional athletes. We've got to still got to enjoy going to Europe. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You might be a professional athlete soon after those times you're banging <laughs> out. So, yeah. Give it a spell. Did you want to, are you going to charge us for this interview or is it still going to be a free one? I'll, get, I'll leave in a 
I, I could go to 10 different pizza bars in the next five minutes if you keep this up. <laughs> All right, yeah, my trip over was pretty similar. Apart from I had big dramas getting over. I, um, I flew out of Melbourne on a Friday night and the plane was a couple of hours delayed and they told me it'd be okay and I wouldn't miss my connecting flight in Berlin. And there was like 15 other people on that same connection, so kind of um, flew over the Friday night, got a bit of sleep, not heaps, but um, but not a lot, but um, yeah, got enough I found, and then got to Dubai, and there was a guy with a sign there uh, that said Berlin, and everyone who was going there, all the other people as well as myself, lined up there, and they told us the, that we'd missed the connection, they didn't leave, they didn't wait for us, and um, we were kind of in limbo for the next two hours while they figured out what they were going to do with us, but... In the end, uh, they put us up in a hotel in Qatar for the day, and then we left Qatar at about 11 o'clock on the Saturday night, their time, and flew throughout the night uh, to get to Frankfurt on the Sunday morning, and then got to Berlin about Sunday 2 p.m., so massive stuff around. We went via Kuwait as well. When they said our new flight was going to be um, going to Frankfurt, it was the same thing, Julian. We got to the got to the gates, and we kind of saw Kuwait and um and Frankfurt on the same TV and didn't really think much of it and then yeah next thing we're boarding and they're telling us that we're going to stop in Kuwait a whole lot of US Army guys got on it was really strange like middle of the night kind of thing we just pulled in and no one got off only these Army guys got on and then we we're kind of away again which was yeah quite quite an interesting experience but um I wasn't too fussed like a few people a few other Australians who were on that same connecting flight were a bit annoyed because they had kind of Kentucky trips booked and they were missing the first night and, you know, had plans and things like that, whereas I was just going there to kind of settle in and still had a week up my sleeve. So it didn't really um, worry me too much. And, you know, you can waste a lot of energy on that stuff, whereas you can't really control it at all. So I just um, just chilled out and, yeah, got to Berlin a, a bit later than usual. But, yeah, got there in the end and got out for a nice kind of 90-minute jog on the Sunday and I – Fitted into, got in sync really quick. I slept that Sunday night, kind of 9 p.m. through to 6 a.m. And then ever since then, I've been on kind of Europe time, which was something I struggled with last time. How'd you two boys go with the sleeping? Oh, I was waking up every sort of night at about 2.30, 3 o'clock, and then um, eventually going getting back to sleep, but like wide awake, 3 a.m., thinking, oh, I feel like I should be out doing something right now. Should be at work. Um, yeah, so it did play with me a little bit. Yeah, for right. about five days, I reckon. Yeah, six days. Yeah, and I was pretty much four thirty every morning. Um, pretty much right up until even race day. Um, yeah, was, but I guess we we're going to bed then at I don't know maybe eight thirty nine o'clock. Um, so I was still getting plenty of sleep. It's just that I was waking up at four thirty and just chilling out for a couple of hours before the sun comes up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was in a pretty similar boat to you, Julian. My week was pretty oh, – I ran with Brad one week and he – one day during the week in the lead-up and he just dropped like three 50-minute Ks on me, just the, stim, just the typical Brad Croker kind of jogging pace. But, um, yeah, I did a did a few sessions just to get some cobwebs out, but nothing, nothing extraordinary, kind of a 2K effort, I think, on the Tuesday and – um, what did I do? Oh, just some one minute on, one minute float on the on the Thursday. So it was feeling pretty fresh come race day. And I said to you, I was um because I was there by myself. Carly didn't come into the night before the race. I had a lot of um those last sessions where I just did it in my heavy shoes, 
And it kind of did my head in a bit, and I was glad when it came race day to be able to put my fast shoes on. Just because when you're trying to go fast in heavy shoes, it's just so much, even just mentally, it just feels harder to try to get the legs ticking over with the heavy shoes on. So, um, yeah, I was pretty happy come race day to put the, and I wasn't trusting hiding the four percenters in a bush somewhere while I warmed up and then going from there. So, um, yeah, no. definitely not. Would, <laughs> Don't do that. Would have been, imagine that, losing your shoes a few days before the race. Anyway, that's why I had a, that's why you always carry them in your carry-on luggage to race shoes, correct? Apparently. Correct. Yeah, correct. I do. Yeah, always um, carry the race kit and carry-on, just in case they lose it. Rightio, what else can we tell them before we get started on the race? Um, Europe travel's done, tape a week, we talked about that. What about bib pickup, Julian? Did you enjoy that experience, going to the race hotel? Yeah, that was pre- pretty fun. Um, it was like a pretty, uh, like really nice, fancy hotel. Um, and we just, we, there was like blue lines written on the floor to follow for your bib pickup. We somehow missed the turn off to the lift and turned you into the lift. And we kept following the uh, blue lines and we ended up in the press room. Um, that wasn't, it's funny because. They were just no one. It's I, like there wasn't a lot of English being spoken there, and so they were. <laughs> we were there asking them for everything to understand. Um, and it was a little bit of a, a sign of things to come, actually, for the, the the race with people not knowing where things were, um, especially volunteers. But we ended up finding our way back to the lift, and um, the yeah, I was. Officially, I think like the slowest in the field, or very in the elite field, or s- close to it. So you kind of feel like a bit of an imposter there, because um, the actual elites were staying there, and and they were. You could like we walked past a few of them. They're sitting down in the um, race hotel, having drink or food or whatever, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm here. Just give me my beer. Let's get out of here, and then. Um, what we went over to the expo because Brie had to pick her bib up from there, and that was just absolutely manic. It was, oh, I reckon there probably would have been ten thousand people there at once when we were there, and it was it was silly. It was, it was oh, like Jared. He said that he was just watching people just shove race apparel into their bag and walk out with it just right in front of his face. That's how busy it was. No one could tell what was going on. He just watched a lady pack a bag full of race kit and walk straight out the front door of the expo. What, um, stealing? Yeah, stealing it. He said he saw heaps of people stealing stuff. Yeah, right. I didn't uh, and, I wasn't and, looking for it, but yeah, you can see how it could happen with so many people in such a small space. Yeah, and it's not a store. There's no like security tags or anything. It was just there. And that all looks the same, and it's hard to tell if you paid for it or not because it's just, it was literally like being in the most crowded market you've been in. Mm. And then um, no one knows who's going which way. It was just, yeah, it wasn't something I enjoyed, that's for sure. Yeah, and after, like, you'd had a big day traveling to Berlin that day and going to the hotel and then getting to the expo, it's like probably a bit too much for you in that one day. Yeah, oh, just. By that stage, I hadn't slept the night before, so I was pretty tired. And I don't do, I don't handle people well at the best of times, especially a lot of them at once. So um, I was just wanting to get out of there pretty quick. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was good, good, good. Yeah, I felt a bit the same when we went and picked up our bibs, especially when you see guys like repping like full sponsored kits and stuff and you're kind of just walking around in your jeans and T-shirt and, you know, your running company Ballarat snapback kind of hat and you just, yeah, something about that. It just feels, um, yeah, you feel a bit less, I guess, but it's probably a good motivator as well to beat some of those boys the next morning. I don't. I didn't recognise like anyone. It's pretty easy to look good <laughs> the day before a race. Mm, um, just the fact that they were there meant they were good. I know, but a lot of people like can make themselves look pretty fast and uh, before the gun starts. That's for sure. It was good to meet Dave Monty as well. New York Roadrunners had a good chat with him. Yeah, yeah, that was a good spot. He was a good boy. Had some good knowledge. Yeah. Told us some good stories. He was, yeah, he was good. Good, good. Rightio, let's get to race day. Brad, you woke up. What were you thinking on race morning? Um, uh, well, I was still in two minds at what I was going to do. I'd spoken to my coach that week, and we decided that there's no way I was going to finish the marathon, um, and that halfway was probably a good point to finish, and I, I agreed with that because... Just logistically, it meant that I could duck up to like the 36 to the 37k mark and see you boys come through. Um, but he wanted me just to sort of do it as a easy Sunday run, and um, I just thought to myself, "There's no way I can be like second roll on the grid and um, just roll off the line at like 420s." And uh, so I decided to take my phone with me because um, I thought, you know what, if there's not many opportunities you get to be around the world's best, and I certainly wouldn't do that if I was racing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I guess morning of morning waking up, it was more about Viv. It was just making sure that she was ready to go. Um, so we woke up, had a look outside, and it was like when you had been raining overnight, and there was puddles all over the road, and I think it was still sprinkling even when we woke up. And it was like, uh, hopefully, hopefully it settles. Um, but the positive was that... Those first few days that we were in Berlin, it was actually quite hot once the sun came out. So although it was wet, it was overcast, which I guess in a way was a blessing that there was no direct sunlight. Um, so yeah, we just got up, had some breakfast, um, got our stuff together, and then, um, yeah, met you outside um, the accommodation where I was staying uh, for a warm-up. What time did we leave, Brady? Yeah, quarter past eight, wasn't it? Something like that. Or eight? Yeah. Gave us yeah, about eight. Time. Yeah, because... 9.15 Yes, I think we're about three kilometres from the start, so we pretty much walked most of that. Um, you know, we you walked all relaxed. of it. I was super relaxed. Um, and then, yeah, we got sort of uh, got our way into the elite athlete area, which was just this massive sort of marquee. I reckon it was about, oh, what, 50 metres long? Yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, pretty big. Pretty close. Wasn't um, that wide, it was so, pretty long. Yeah, so it was pretty surreal just being surrounded by so many good athletes. And, um, yeah, we went for a little bit of a warm-up, just up and down sort of the, um, I guess, the path that's in the in the tear garden Park. Um, and I remember Brady was, like, super excited. I was almost to the point where I was like, Brady, just focus on your own race. He's kind of like, oh, look, there's Bikili. And, like, how cool is this just... All these guys running past. I was just like, you've got a race to focus on here. Just 
But remember when we were walking there and I was saying how I wasn't really up and about? Like, it felt a bit like a bit of an anti-climax. I was like, no, I didn't really expect it to feel like this on race day. I thought it would have been more up and about and the weather was just, um, I don't know, put a bit of a dampener on things. And then it wasn't Mm. until we started warming up that I went from like 1 out of 10 to like 9 out of 10 real quick. (laughs) Um, I'm a big fanboy of those boys. I've told you that before. And then Anna Hana walked past at one stage. I was like, Anna... Yeah, I just reckon there's a time and a place though, and it's just like you know you got you got to be in your own little space. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I did a bit of a warm up with you, and then um, I had my phone with me, so I took a bit of footage of um, the elite athlete tent, and then us being sort of ushered uh, through the through the grandstands onto the onto the road, just in front of the start line, um, and that was just amazing. Like I've got footage on my phone of just. Um, Kipchoge sort of walking slash jogging towards me and um, filmed, filmed a bit of that, filmed a bit of Kip Sang. Um, and then, yeah, we just got put onto the start line and um, back, with, back with you boys. Uh, what were we, about third, third or fourth row? Um, oh, I reckon more like eight. Yeah, yeah. Way back. There was only about Third's five back. people per row too. It was pretty, um, pretty tight. Yeah. Wasn't an um, issue though. Yeah, so then when the gun went, um, I decided that I was going to go out at a decent pace just to get some footage. So um, I, I got off the line pretty hard um, and, yeah, ended up for the first three kilometres. So I was just wearing my heavy shoes and um, I don't know how, how you guys found it, but I was, like, just slipping all over the place. I found it really hard to get um, any sort of traction on the road. Uh, but, yeah, for the first three kilometres... Um, just started off with the main group and then I ran across the other side of the road to run with the elite women for like a couple of K and then came across back to you boys um, just to film a bit of you guys and then uh, went through 3K in 10 minutes and I went, <laughs> all right, that's probably um, it's probably enough for me now. So I, I started then to, to slow down and um, but it's really hard to go from 320s to like 420s. So I still just ran the whole way at sort of 345s. Um, so yeah, I went through halfway in '76. Uh, Spent the rest of the um, the morning following uh, following Viv around, um, jumping on jumping on and off uh, trains just to to see her. And uh, I guess thinking back to the race itself, the the one thing that really hit home was one how much fitness I'd lost in six weeks, which I guess is to be expected. But also how banged up your legs get, like when you haven't been running a lot, and I reckon that's that's the biggest thing. I reckon that's the most important thing in terms of training for a marathon is just getting your legs conditioned to the pounding on the road for that period of time. Because for all of us guys that have run low fourteen minutes for five k, speed's never going to be the issue. It's just holding it together. And my legs, my legs were already cooked by halfway, and I was only running seventy six minutes. So, um, yeah, so that that was my race. Yeah, 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 good, good, good. Yeah, I love that. We were sitting at about the two k because the first three k is almost in like one straight road, and the girls are on one side and the boys are on the other. But you're all running on your blue dots to kind of have the shortest line, and then yeah, we're about two k in, and I walked over to the other side of the road just to see where the lead females were. And here's you sitting on the back of the pack, 
Because you had like a t-shirt and a hat on. You did not look like an elite runner at all. With your phone out, like videotaping like people in all directions. It was a classic, um, yeah, Brad Croker move. Well, and I don't know if you boys have seen it, but um, like the Eurosport footage or whatever, there's there's a period there where you can just see me holding the phone out, taping the... Yeah, <laughs> I, we watched it the other day and saw you. And right I was just front and centre. Yeah, because like if I'm if I'm at home watching that, I'm like, who's that dickhead doing that? Like, I'm just, <laughs> but so right. I I can live with it. I got some pretty cool footage. Yeah, nah, good move. Really um, in the experience. Yeah, so I guess zigzagging across the road probably probably made that's probably why I was struggling so much with a ten minute three k. Yeah, you were all over you zigzagging it up and back. Yeah, you were still yeah. chatting though. Like when you yelled out to us with a video camera, that was at about three k, I reckon, and you were um. Still be able to get the words out. Yeah, yeah, but um, wouldn't have lasted too long. So yeah, ah, good. But good I guess look, you know, a month before the race, there was like it was looking like I was going to be on the sidelines for the whole thing. So um, yeah, like the hardest part of the day for me was finishing off at twenty one k and then going up to watch you boys come through at thirty six or thirty seven. So I watched obviously um, all the t- the top guys come through and. Then just seeing that you guys were still really close together along with a couple of other guys like Dan Wallace, the Kiwi guy, because I did a few runs with him in Canberra um, at the start of his marathon prep. And that was probably the hardest pit was just seeing that you were still together and just wondering, like, you know, where where would have I been and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it certainly motivated me to... One to make just to make sure that I get to the start line for the next one, um, but also it was just cool to see that you guys sort of ran to like I guess in a marathon running within one or two minutes of each other like it's on, on the day you know you, you could run one or two minutes depending on what happens on the day um, so I think both of you ran ran really well um, so yeah hats off to you. Nah, it was a big 90 seconds, though. You can't put me in the same uh, sentence as Julian. He he executed things perfectly. Yeah, but it's not to say that on your day that, you know, you couldn't have run that. It's just that there's going to be things that happen on the day that, you know, I still think you're in that shape. It's just that it didn't happen on the day. Mm, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that a bit later. I don't know if I'll, yeah. I'll, I don't know. I just don't know if I'd done enough work to be ready for that pounding and had it in the strength in my legs to be able to race a full 42, and I think Julian definitely did. Like, I think, yeah, if it was 30K, I would have been good, but the marathon's not 30K. I think I, um, yeah, I've learned stuff to improve next time, but we'll get to that a bit later on. Julian, yeah, take us well, Oh, sorry, mate, I, go. I, I think what you also said about the pounding, and I think you look at somebody like Dave Craniti, who, during his whole prep, he ran massive miles, but I wouldn't say there was a lot of emphasis on real like marathon sessions it was just that he had conditioned i think he's just conditioned his legs to be able to run for a long period of time which um i think is really important for the marathon and i just don't think most people probably do enough yeah i think that's a key factor that it gets ignored and um that's like it's got to be done early it's not like six to eight weeks out we start to run long it's got to be done over a long period of time, I think. Um, and, and most people just think, oh, I'll just run two-hour long runs and, um, 
it, they'll be really slow or whatever. And then when I get closer, even the guys that start to get more specific with it, they still don't do enough early on. It's all built around this six to eight week block, but it's it's what you're doing eight weeks before that and ten weeks before that that matters as well, I think. Yeah, and it's that um, you know, we spoke about it like five minutes after the finish. I think Julian, it's that over distance stuff and on the hard trails and the stuff that really smashes your your legs. And like you've been a, you've done so many of those things and um. Yeah, like you just the leg strength, and you look at some of the guys' legs compared to other people's legs, and they just look stronger. Like they're bigger, and the muscles are more defined, and they're not as twiggy as uh, as mine are. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you can look at Wilson Kipson. He's not a big bloke. Uh, his leg, his legs aren't that strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some other factors working for him, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get to your race morning, Julian, because you were quite flustered when we first come across you race morning, getting his bib put on uh, by Steve Monaghetti, the winner from yeah. 1990. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was pretty special. But um, I, that, I was actually only flustered late in the towards the build, like towards the start line. But early on, um, can you heal those bells at the moment? Yeah, yep. a bit in here. Who's got yeah. a dog in the background as well? Who's Someone. dogs barking? Yeah, that's me. Bring your, they, um, bring your pooch over. They seem, to, they seem to enjoy ringing bells in the city. I don't even know what time it is. It's like 5.26. So <laughs> I'm going to shut that window. That's fine. That'll be the last of our worries with this recording, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. So I woke up, actually had a really good sleep. I, in the past, I've sort of stressed about races and never slept well the night before, so I decided to take a sleeping tablet, um, and I, I actually got to sleep quickly and woke up at probably 5.30, um, with the, my alarm was on at 6.30, and so I just kind of cruised in, in bed and um, basically just relaxed a little bit. Uh, the race being at 9.30 was a little tricky with the breakfast side of stuff. Um, so I, I had a couple of bits of toast when I, I normally wouldn't. Um, but getting me through to 9.30 at 6.30 is three hours. It's going to digest. Um, in the coffee and and then the, the, the guys went and bought um, Ali and I this like tracksuit thing from the supermarket the day before. She actually got a really cool, like, fake velvet um, matching bottoms and tops with sequins on it. Um, and I ended up with pajama pajama kit that we could wear and throw away at the end. Um, so we were looking pretty silly on the train down. <laughs> and then even afterwards, we put them on after the event and look, walking out of the elite area just looking like weirdos. Uh, but uh, that morning, I... Um, I was feel, I was really calm and um, I knew it had been raining and it was raining when we woke up. I went and looked out the window. Um, the window was sort of facing onto a street and I just had this really kind of almost like just sort of light bulb moment where I was looking out and thought, this is going to be a day that I look back on in 50 years and think, that was the day that we still talk about. Like, from what I remember from my running career, that's going to be the day. 
so I was really positive from the start and I I kind of I'd framed the day up knowing that it would be special and um, almost like not allowing myself to think of any of the bad shit that could happen for the day so I was pretty so that, and that wasn't something I planned to do it was just something that I was came to me I was looking out the window and I was like today's your day and it's going to be a special one um, and even standing there like looking out that window I was just I was I was calm about it um, and then we, we got on the trains we were drop we were staying with a bunch of my friends and um, everyone knew each other most Ali and I were both in the elite section the other guys were, were filtering into the um, other like start zones and so we just went down with them not really considering it would be an issue but when you're trying to fit 45,000 people into a start zone or a starting area the starting area is enormous and so with this event like the elite section or none of the elite instructions were actually in the information booklet so no one knew anything and we had an orange wristband everyone else had like a blue one or a grey one and so we were walking up to people asking, Ali and I were asking, oh, where do we go for this? Oh, no, I don't know, not in here. So every volunteer had been given an instruction, and the instruction was look at the wristband. If it's a blue one, you can let them in. If it's anything else, they're not coming in. No one was actually willing to help us. So we, we spent about half an hour, probably even longer, 40... Oh, just one sec. Pizza delivery. I don't know what this is. Buongiorno. See, Brad, our story was completely different. We just rolled straight in. Hello? Yeah, we knew, but we knew where we are going. Yeah. Like, we we're, 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 we're coming from that direction We were anyway. coming from the right end, um, yeah. Yeah, so, but how good, I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that uh, Julian's looking out the window story wasn't well, just the drunken Sunday night one. It was actually real. It's biblical, like the wise man, the star, like it's, this is, goes back thousands and thousands of years before Jesus. Because when, when he was talking about it on Sunday night, I'm like, come on, it's just the beers, but unless, you, unless you're already on the beers. He told me that straight when I came out of the medical tent, I was just like, I wasn't sure if I was still dreaming or what was happening. So <laughs> it's good, it's good. Yeah. It was, it was, and I, I get, I'm a pretty sort of, like, methodical like realist normally but sometimes I can get a bit like caught up and a little bit emotional and passionate and I used to get that playing footy a lot like sometimes I, it would just I would get really passionate about something and then I felt that that day um it'd be hard to come back again and run other races after this one I think because it was such an so I was so invested in it uh but yeah so Elliot we ended up finding a way to the start zone. It was about 20 minutes before the start of the race. Um, we still hadn't got changed. We still hadn't got our shoes on. Um, we didn't. If we couldn't see anyone because we came in on the other side of the the, the, the tear garden road. Um, and then I saw Ali. She jumped over the fence into the wheelchair area, <laughs> and then um, to get across to the other side of the road and. I couldn't. I didn't want to do it because I didn't. I didn't want to get in trouble or anything, like because I was so close to the start. I just wanted to find the right way. And then I went to go through the actual opening, and it was about fifty of the A people 
around the opening, just crowding it, not letting anyone through. So I jumped over the wheelchair thing and ran through all those guys. Um, and and then, then I was found myself on the other side of the start line and Ali was nowhere to be seen and I couldn't find any tent or anything. Um, so I... I was running up and down the start line. I knew we were supposed to come in one way, so I ran like fifteen hundred meters all the way down to near where the end, near where the corner was, where you turn off. And I couldn't see anyone, so I ran fifteen hundred meters back. And then I ran into um, Sean Helmet, who is midday miler, who was over here for the race. And he's like, "Oh, like I haven't seen anyone. It's got to be down here, though." And he kind of really settled me down, and he he ended up finding the, the, the spot for me, and then taking me to it and he was like he he was he saved my ass so yeah big thanks to Sean because um, when I got into the 10 it was at I think it was about uh, the start was at 9.15 I got in the tent at 9 o'clock and I hadn't changed or anything and then everyone was pretty much ready to go and I was still in my pyjama pants <laughs> um, and and then so I got in there saw Mona that was good to see a familiar face and then saw Brad and Brady and um, I saw everyone had their, like two bibs on, one on the front and they all had this second bib on the back which I have no idea why and I, I hadn't put mine on, I just thought it was a mistake but they gave me two and then thought, oh shit, so Mono was closest and then Mono was pinning my bib on which was pretty cool having the uh, 1991 winner um, pin your bib on. And he settled me down a bit, and um, then I saw Ali. She came into the men. <laughs> she didn't give a shit. She came into the men's tent just to, to check that I was okay, and um, and then we walked out together and, and did a few strides together and sort of wished each other good luck. And um, and, and then I jumped at the back of the jumped at the back of the start group with you guys because as far as I was concerned, I was the slowest <laughs> in that elite group, and. Um, it was actually probably a good thing because we ran out a bit too quick that first, or maybe around spot on the first K, and, and we had plenty of room. Um, and yeah, then looked over, saw Brad, made a few jokes to Brady, <laughs> worked out worked out that the uh, the road was pretty slippery. Um, it was wet. There was a lot of puddles, so you had to watch where you were running. Um, and then that you couldn't get too close to the guy in front because he'll spit water back at you especially like in, if he's going through the puddles. Uh, and then, yeah, that was the start of the race. You gave me some great advice as well about the shoes, just to stay away from the markings on the road and how they – because you'd already told me they're not so good around corners, but chuck the water into that as well. And we are kind of um, – I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think at any stage that I was slipping or sliding like you spoke about before, Brad. I thought I had pretty good grip. But um, the road definitely had so many little – holes that just accumulated um puddles like it seemed like the shoes were pretty drenched two or three k in yeah they were well straight away i was and then one of the things like that the shoe is a little bit untested is is how the water how it goes in wet conditions um and i noticed afterwards like i I had some water seeping into the foam i don't know whether you checked your shoes but um water sort of seeped into the foam and the got behind the paint and it's all yeah I don't know it's just a, it seems to be bubbling a lot so I'm glad they lasted for the two hours, two hours that they did um, but I don't know how good they'll be from now on 
Yeah, I um, I haven't looked too much at mine. I've, I've just dried them out and put them back in the bag. But um, yeah, I don't know. They they seem to you're happy with the well. I guess maybe talk us through early on stages first of the race, and then we'll talk about what you thought about the shoes in general. So we kind of rolled through the first five k at sixteen thirty eight or something like pretty conservative. Had a nice pack. Yeah, it all it was good. Um, we were in front of the women at that stage. Um, so as we turned the corner, I think we stayed in front of them by maybe mm, uh, 10 seconds, but there was car, like it was pretty crazy because there was a lot of people around at that time, um, big pack, uh, a lot of cars because of the front women was there. So all the bikes with the cameras, the pacing car, people, all the managers on bikes were sort of out and about and it was then you had all the, the hangers-on from the women's pack and also the paces. So there was a lot of people and it was a bit of a blur really because you're still sort of trying to avoid tripping up and you're trying to find the right spot. So by the t- by the time you um, sort of worked out you're going over the 5K, mat, you're still trying to find your spot in the race. Um, and I, like then to, to look, I was splitting my watches, splitting my watch at 5K and I looked down and thought, Oh, that's ideal! Like, <laughs> that's perfect. That couldn't have been. I couldn't have been any happier with sixteen thirty-seven right there. Not too fast. I haven't started behind any. Like, I haven't got caught up and lost any ground, and that was perfect. Yeah, you're right. The pack was huge, and that car that had the big stopwatch on its roof, and it kind of had predicted time if you keep that pace up, and every five hundred meters, it was saying what pace. That was kind of like flirting with us and kind of get close and get up next to us and then it would back off and um, I think we were in a pretty good spot there and that group probably stayed for the next 7K. Was it 12K when we went around that roundabout, that right-hand turn and those lead females just pretty much ripped straight through our um, straight through our pack that we kind of had going at a nice pace? Yeah, yeah, I reckon it was about 12K because that's when they um – that's when our group was on TV as well. So the, uh, the the guys from back home had taken some footage and showed us. And um, also in our pack, like the guys that I recognised, Dave Ridley was there and so was Ben Ashkettle. And um, like as far as I knew, Ben Ashkettle was flying in great shape and he was really fit. So I was really happy just to be sitting like to have him staying with me because I know I was in my mind I'm thinking he's going to go at some point like he's going to want a Com Games qualifier so he's going to have to pick up the pace and I thought it's a, it could be a good plan just to stay with him and make moves with him um, and that pacing car like I obviously wasn't I didn't have anything showing on my watch about pace or anything so it was really <laughs> It was really strange to look up and basically have just a massive enlarged version of a Garmin watch right in front of your face, showing you um, a, a split every kilometre, showing you the timer and also, yeah, like the projected pace. And you would sort of see it. It was around when they passed us at about 12k. Um, it was sort of it was saying about 2015. I mean, two hours 2015. Yeah, um, yeah, and. For, for me, like, that was a, a, a great spot to be at, so. Because we went through 10K in about 33.10. You and I were ahead of that group before the girls kind of caught us. Like, we were doing a bit of leading there, and it was starting to rain a bit, and um, we were, like, good. We are talking to each other and keeping it solid, and 
But you said to me when we went through 10K that that was probably a bit too quick. And then those yeah. girls come through and injected another um, up-tempo kind of surge. I can see the, the splits. They went past at about 12K. And in the, in the, from 12 to 13 was 3.12. And then the 14th K was 3.11. And we were, I was getting dropped by the group. And Guess I was thinking... Guess where I was, Brad. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on yeah. the run. <laughs> no, no so, sorry, Julian, keep going, yeah. Mr. Patient. <laughs> I reckon this is a critical time. Like, I was looking at this group went past us, these women, and I'm thinking, shit, I'm working hard here to keep up. They're going quick. Just back off. Let them go. Like, I don't need to get caught up. They're doing their thing. I want to do my thing. Um, and th- then I see Brady, like, firing along. <laughs> I lose him by 10 metres, 20 metres, and I think, oh, <laughs> I know, like, you, you're you feared and you've got these am- really ambitious. Like, I knew you would be more ambitious than I was at this point in the race. It was always going to happen. Um, but I'm thinking, you could have stayed here. Like, we could have been a good team today, um, but I wasn't going to run those Ks because I knew it was way faster than what I could handle. Um and there was plenty of guys who stayed back too. So from there, I reckon I said it to a bloke who at the time I didn't really know who he was. I've since learned it was um, Tony Payne. I think you, Brady, you knew him. You said something to him. Before. Yeah, New Zealand During, guy. Yep. Yeah, I said, oh, this is where Brady fucked up last year. <laughs> 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 I, and he looked at me like kind of funny, like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and um, I was expecting a bit more back from him, but he gave me nothing. Um, I think he listened to the podcast as well. He did what, sorry? He listened to the podcast, I think. He's a good bloke. Yeah, he had a huge breakthrough, 219, like 40 something. Yeah, well, I just said him as you ran off. I'm like, oh, Brady, you haven't learned. Like, this is what you said you didn't want to do get get caught surging with the ladies. Um, Not that it was past where I thought you could do. Like, I thought you would be okay, but you weren't running a race at that point. You were just running what they were doing. Oh, yeah, um, and I was looking at it as like, okay, here's a huge group. They've got pacemakers. Just, you know, this group's going past sit-in kind of thing, whereas, yeah, it should have been like worry about later on in the race. And, yeah, because yeah, you got to them anyway. Like, we both ended up in the same spot at 32K kind of, or 34K whenever you went past me. I think it was like 32, 33. But you just got there more patiently than I did. Um, yeah. And, and you're right. They did I the mean, same thing last year. That was yeah. exactly where they surged last year. It's weird, isn't it? Anyway, um, yeah, I was pretty content. Well, we actually formed a great little group um, after you guys went past. It was myself, Ben Ashkettle, Dave Ridley, and I reckon, I'm not sure whether there was anyone else except Tony. So we worked together until at least like 22, 23K, um, and we went through in 69.55, which again, when I saw that split, I thought, oh, this is incredibly perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess at this point you start to assess, could I run another one of those again? Um, how are my legs feeling? Do I have a bit of pop in them? Or do I feel like I'm getting tired? Uh, for me, like, I'd, I, I, this is where, like, I worked out, I worked it out a bit earlier that my drink situation was a little bit messed up. Because when I 
you might be able to back me up on this, but when we went upstairs to drop the drinks off on Saturday night to the race hotel, I dropped off, there were buckets, and they had, gave us a, a sheet of stickers with different kilometre markers, and I put them in the corresponding buckets. So for, for me, my drinks were at nine. I think it was 17.9, 25, 32, and 38. That's where I was putting my gels, with my drinks with gels in. And then the other remaining boxes, I put in waters. Um, and then when we got on the course, I picked up my first drink at K5, which was a water. It was great, no worries. Then I picked up number K9, I picked up a gel bottle. Great. Then when we got to 17.9, there were no tables out. And I thought, where are they at? And then I asked everyone in the group, I'm like, hey, do you have drinks there? What happened to the drinks? They said, oh, no, no, no drinks, 20K only. I'm like, oh, I wonder what happened to my, like, <laughs> where they put all the drinks that we, the, there was a bucket with that kilometer marked on it. They must have just thrown them out or something. So we got to 20, um, 25K, or t- and on 25K, I got my second gel, so I had one at nine, then one at 25, and that was quite good um, because in the past I had gels a lot more often than that. And um, and then I got to 30, then, then my next drink was water at 30, and then I was going to pick up a gel at 32, but again, the table was, was nowhere to be seen. So um, by the time I got the t- I saw you at 33K, I'd only had two gels when I was probably expecting to have had four by then. So that was just another little sort of annoyance and maybe like that was, I don't think that was my fault that I, like that that happened because they had buckets for me to put my gels into and I did that and they didn't put them out. Yeah. Do, do you agree with that? Well, well, I put one in every single bucket. So, but my plan was to just get the ones every 5K and if I was going to miss one, then I'd start looking for those extra tables. So I got every one of my 5K ones. So I didn't even look for those tables at those random distances. So yeah, I can't tell you if it's true or false because I wasn't really, actually I think the the last one, was there one at like 38 and a half or something like that, which was a random number. I think that one, yeah, that one I was like, okay, I wasn't planning to pick this up, but I'm in trouble here. I'm definitely going for my drink, and it was there, and I got that one. But, um, yeah, I I was still drinking the one I picked up at, you know, 10K or 15K to not even worry about looking for a table at 17K. But, yeah, but if you'd you'd planned for those to be your main ones, I can understand how they were hard to find. Uh, Yeah, I I did, and I picked up the 38K. But even and, dropping the drinks, like I got there and you mark your name off the list and then a man watches you putting them all in. And I just said to the guy, I said, what number table are my drinks going to be in tomorrow? And he just said, oh, I'm not sure. And then he said, go ask the lady at the desk. So I went and asked the lady at the desk and she said, you know, table 10, we're thinking they're going to be there. Um, but we're not sure. We give them to the people to go on the tables and we're giving them to go on table 10, but no guarantees. So you kind of run it up to these first drink stations like, but there's 10 tables. So you're kind of hovering through going, getting ready to grab one just in case it's not on your right table. But thankfully they got it right and mine were on table 10 the whole time. Yeah. Oh, my, if I if the table was there, then it was on table 10. Yeah. It's just <laughs> the tables were only there at 
some of the stops, not all of them. Anyway, it, yeah. it was fine. Yeah, working um, again. Just something to if you if you do the race next year to consider. Yeah, go with the main ones. So you've rolled through halfway. Oh, you were fifteen because I was yeah sixty nine forty with the lead female still in that pack at the, that stage. So were you four guys just chugging along, working together, changing the lead over, or how was that working? Pretty much like the way I remember it is that I I remember maybe myself and Tony doing most of the work there, um, which is probably fair enough given that we finished in front of the other two anyway. Like yeah, I think this. We were probably happier with that pace. Our, our goal wasn't just to sit on someone. We were probably running our own race a little bit more. Um, Dave and Ben were like obviously, are obviously teammates, so they might have had a, a plan um, to do that before the event, like to run together. And, and then when I, um, I can't remember when it was exactly, but I looked back and I noticed Ben wasn't there anymore. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Like, Ben was the guy I was expecting to start pushing off the front. Um, but why? He is why? Like a class runner. But yeah, like he's a class runner and runs some amazing times over ten and a half in the past. But did you have some inside knowledge that he was, you know, going to bang a real fast marathon out? Because I hadn't heard anything about him. Didn't even know he was racing until like I saw the elite start list. No, well, I have no, no, I don't know anything about what he was planning on doing. I just knew knew his credentials really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew that he's sort of a, pretty sure he's gone sub-29 before. Is that right? Yeah, he's like around 63 or 64 for a half. He is, yeah, yeah an insane that's, that's athlete, right. yeah. So I, I knew of this and um, I thought, oh, he's running a really patient race here. Like, <laughs> I would expect him to be getting caught up in what's ahead. Um, and then he wasn't there all of a sudden. So... Uh, later on, we sort of to find out that he just wanted to. He hadn't been going that well. He sort of got asthma, bad asthma, and he um, he was just out there to sort of tick a time off. I think he wanted to run about. Uh, he ended up running three twenty two, but three twenty two, two twenty two. Yeah, oh two twenty two. But he yeah, so he was actually really content with that, given his build up. Um, again, like yeah, the marathon's different. You can't just go and do it without being ready for it. And he he knew that, and he respected it enough just to run it smartly and get it done yeah uh, and so yeah then um our group became three basically myself tony and um dave and then dave was the next to, to drop off and uh we were tony and i were constantly looking ahead um at what was happening then we did i think tony dropped me in the like a, a, maybe tony dropped me around about 25k and he ran ahead um and he pushed on up to the the group in front just oh no probably didn't make the group in front but he pushed ahead and i thought okay let's like i was still feeling pretty good then but i didn't want to do anything silly so i sort of let him go ahead maybe david and i stayed together for a little bit because the lead females are like 10 seconds ahead of you and you're not even, like someone you're running with is putting in a surge to catch up with them and you're just like, nah, all good. I'm just doing my own thing. At, at that point, yeah. And then I started to think, oh, we're at like 22, 23K. I can probably start to to take a bit more of a risk now. Like I can start to, to increase the pace without um, without as much risk. 
so I just I did go up to Tony and I said, "Oh, how are you going? Like, um, you feel all right?" Um, I think we might have gone around this smaller group by then. Both of us just went right around it, and and he sort of pushed on, and, and I went up to him and said, "You, you feel all right?" And he said, "Oh, just a bad patch." And um, I ran with Tony for a little bit, maybe a K, a couple of K, and then we then with the next group that we sort of had ahead of us were the um, with a women's group, so it was still quite big at that point. I could see your blue singlet in there. We were sort of gradually catching it. Uh, at the same time, I could see just really gradual, like really um, dimly, that the the expected pace of the group, like on the car, was about two nineteen twenty or something, and so we pushed. Like, I knew that if I got to that group, that was 2.19.20 pace. So that was actually quite handy to have that there. Um, and I was still content to run at that point anywhere under, like, anywhere at 2.20 or below I was stoked with. So I, I didn't have to be up there, but I was feeling good enough where I pushed on a little bit from Tony and caught up to the, the ladies group. And then there was a... Um, and then I noticed Tony had also caught up within a, probably a K or two later. So I was, I actually ran up behind the pack and there was a guy who had, I thought, oh, that stinks. Like, what is that smell? And some bloke just up ahead had this big shit patch on the back of his shorts. Um, and he, he obviously shit himself, like really close to where I saw him. Um, and it was just making me gag a little bit. Like it was, I was, it was very strong. So I, I actually surged at that point. I reckon that was probably at around... 26k and I ran a bit quick I ran a 310 to get around him because I couldn't handle that <clears throat> and he was at the back of the pack so sort of went around the back of him and into the pack um, and then thought oof shit I'm in 220 2.19 pace here like I'm just going to ride this to the finish but, but at that stage like I was so were we in the same pack then because I was at the least no, you, males till 30 wasn't I then I went or was it 25? Yeah, well, oh, so I reckon you got, I was at about 28K when I got to this pack, maybe 27, 28. Yeah. And I got up to the pack, you were on the other side of it. There's still probably like 14, 15 people in the pack. And you had just started to run off the front, whereas I was like back left corner um, trying to get some good camera camera time. Camera time. <laughs> and, yeah, Hollywood. Right next to the, the motorbike. But I saw you off the. I, I, I felt like yelling out in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I didn't even like, know you were there. Like, but then I, there was too much seriousness going on because the three leading women were there. Um, all their managers were over by the side. All their paces were like. There was a bit of tension in the pack because there were three, three people there still vying for the, the win, three women. And then you ran off, and I thought, what is this guy doing? 30k surge, <laughs> baby. We're 21920 pace. Like, get your ass back here. Pick it up, girls. Pick it up. <laughs> I, I literally thought, what? Like, he's crazy. Nah. And, um, well, I went because I, same thing. It was there was too many people getting around, and I was checking people, and the girl, like the pace wasn't smooth. Like it was, we we're going like three fifteen, then we'd run a three twenty two, and it was just all choppy. And I kept checking people, and that car was doing my head in. Like after. 
because I'd been sitting in that pack from 12k through to 30. Well, this is about 29k. And I was just like, I just want to run my own race, and I don't want to look at this massive clock anymore. Like, I was feel like that was dictating to me how I felt. And then the drink station yeah. was coming up, and I thought, wow, it's going to be chaos. Like, going through this drink station with these 15 people in this pack. Like at, at that stage, I didn't even know you were there. I thought you were, I was, I thought you were having a shocking day and were, were gone, because a couple of times I reckon I turned around to see where you were, and you were probably on my left-hand shoulder, and I turned around on my right, and you were nowhere to be seen in the distance kind of thing. And um, I just thought, I'm just going to go through this drink station a bit quicker to get my drink and get out of the way. And then I'm just trying to gonna settle in a pace so I reckon I can run for the last 12K. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, in hindsight, a great move knowing that I should have been back there. But at the same time, I'm, I wasn't trying to surge through. I was trying to, I don't want to run my own race now and not look at this massive clock and sit with these girls. I think it was, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I rolled the dice. In the end, it come back and stung me. But I was just getting over... That big clock, it just, I've been having, not haven't been having nightmares, but I could see, just when I have flashbacks of the race, I could just see this huge <laughs> clock telling me how I'm meant to be feeling. Yeah. And I just wanted to run, just run free. And that's probably um, something that I add a bit of a, oh, it's a bit of a thing I sometimes do and it doesn't work well for me because I roll the dice and go on feelings rather than sensible kind of actions. And um, yeah, it was, that's why I made that move. And then I thought, well, because I didn't, you know, drop them. I don't think it was really a huge move. I just thought I'd, I'd go and I'm going to settle. And if they catch me, good. I can just sit back in the pack. That's, that was wasn't a drama for me. Yeah, but, yeah. you pretty much sat like fifty meters in front or yeah. forty meters in front, and and you didn't get further or closer. Yeah. And um, I, I thought, oh, like this. I guess he's running. I, I knew why you did it to get away from it. I could see why. Yeah, I was getting but frustrated. I, I, I knew, I knew that you had a race plan of like sitting on the girls for basically to the end. Yeah. Um, so and I, and then like, I knew that it was two nineteen twenty pace that we were on, so I thought, oh, like this is a pretty good spot to be at. Yeah. Um, and because Mitch and Dan, like there was guys up ahead who were dropping, I was like, okay, I'm feeling good here at thirty. Um, you know, I've done this a stack of times, run thirty k at this pace. Let's see what we got left, which turned out not much, but um. Yeah, it was kind of ideal, you know. I just would have kept pulling guys in for the last, um, the last twelve, and yeah, so it kind of went. And then I, I guess you'd probably describe this next part in your recap that it kind of got to thirty two, thirty three, and I'd kind of gone out and pulled in a couple of guys solo. And next minute, I could hear these feet behind me, and I kind of just looked over my shoulder, and it was you, and um, my face just lit up, and I think I just said like, "Yes, like." Because I'd, I honestly hadn't seen you since the 12K mark and thought you had a shocker. And it was just yeah. that genuine, like, here comes the moose. Like, he's, he's, he's coming. Like, I knew I was moving at a fairly decent click pulling in all these guys. And you made me look like I was jogging when you come up next to me. And um, that's when you told me your drinks had been stuffed up. And I said to you, you know, here's my drink that I picked up at 30. I hadn't finished it and still had plenty left and had a gel in my pocket. So I wasn't worried about giving it away. And you were just... Your race was just starting at that stage, whereas I could feel I was starting to fade, even though I hit my quickest 5K from 30 to 35. But it's, you know, typical kind of mistake using it early and save it for the last 5K kind of thing. But, yeah, it was so good being next to you and you were just mowing people down. Well, when I ran up to you and you look back and you're like, oh, and I saw your face, like, you, you're right, it lit up and you... You sort of got excited. I thought, "Oh shit, yes, Brady feels good. Like this is great. We're going to be 
we're going to be on here. Like, we're going to do this together now. Um, but then, like, when I sort of, as once I got there and then I said, oh, how are you feeling? I'm like, and then you looked over and you weren't, like, glowing like you were before. Even though it was only a minute before, I thought, oh, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to keep a straight face and just not say much. I'm like, because you really towed me through to an awesome 35K split. Because I always start to struggle. And I think I said to you, I said, you know, you go, I'm slowing you down. Like, this is, don't let me slow you down. And you were just like, come on, dig deep. This is for people at home. They're going to be watching these splits. They're going to be, these guys are just up ahead. Let's catch these. Like, you just gave the best motivational speech getting around, which probably got me to 35K in a good split. But, yeah, I was, I was, it just started to come on. Like, it just, um, yeah, just that whole perception of this 10K or this 8K to go here and you're struggling and, yeah, it's it, we're in completely different situations at the 34K mark. And and that's that's the hard bit, like, because I was, I could, I knew, I pretty much knew at that point I was, like, I was going to have a good one because it was 33, I think, 9K to go where I, I like, I, I thought... Okay, I'm I'm feeling great. Like I've got goosebumps because I know how fast I'm going to run today, and and I thought you were in the same boat. So it it was a little like I was disappointed that you weren't able to come with me, um, and I was also disappointed knowing that that's what happened to you last time. I was also confused knowing that like at the same time I was going why? Like I'm thinking why what? He's just, like he's fit. Why is it happening to him now? Um, so I was a little like disappointed and confused, I guess. Uh, and at the at the same, like I, I wanted you to come, and then I wanted to stick around, help out. But then I was like, sometimes you do that because it's almost the easy option for the yeah. guy who's feeling good yeah. is you, to to, to, just to take in. the pace off and think, oh, I'm going to stay here with you. Like we're going to run together for a little bit. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's probably not, like, that is the easy option at the moment. Like, I'm, I need to keep going. Because um, in, in my head, I'm like, 220, I've got it. Like, I'm a minute up. I'm feeling good. But there's no way I can fuck up here from here. Um, yeah, but then, whereas I was going into, I, like, okay, you got to keep this together for the next 25 minutes and you're still going to, like, I was going into survival mode. Like, where's the finish line? Like, racing's over. Get yourself from 37 to the finish line kind of here. Um, yeah. yeah, and I was the same and I was really, because I've been practicing kind of mindfulness and positive thinking and I was being really cautious just to be like, don't have those thoughts come in, like why and this sucks and I thought because I had my drinks this wasn't going to happen this time and da 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 So I was just going, just, just you know, concentrate. Like you can float a K here, run a 3.30 and, you know, you might be able to pull it back together kind of thing and just, and really just, um yeah, a lot of the, Sports psychology stuff is just like it's be kind to yourself. So just positive thoughts and how good's this? You enjoying on a podcast? He's chasing all these people down. You're still on for a good time here. Hold it together. Like I was just watching you go in the distance. Just like you're just running past like Mitchie Brown and Dan Wallace, and you were just mowing down everyone. It was so good to watch from back where I was. Yeah, well, I, I was a little surprised that like this because I I didn't increase the pace that much. It's just those guys were, were going slower, basically. Um, and when I was going past them, in my head, I always remember back to like 
Jeff Hunt's race where he ran the last 10K in 30 minutes or whatever, or 30 to 40 in 10K where he said the worst thing that he did in that race was to to stop and run with the got, run with the pack that he caught up to. Um, bit different, I know, but I just like I was getting up to packs and thinking, oh, this would probably be a good pack to sit with. But then think, no, fuck this. I'm going to go right around these guys. I'm not even going to run behind them. I'm going to run like three meters next to them and run well around them, just to not even give them a sniff of jumping on my back or anything. Um, and it was quite funny, like. I've been in that position where people passing you in the marathon late and I, <laughs> the look on their face is like, oh, it's just jealousy. It's like, yeah. I want to be you right now. Like, I want to be the guy with spring in his step. This and is the I, story of my last it, 6K. So, yeah. <laughs> and you try uh, sitting, you're like, come on, just stay with this guy for a minute. And because they're going away quicker pace, it just does not happen. There's no way it can happen. Like I've been burned so many times in those races. It's, it just you just can't come back from 35k onwards. But even really. your well, your, yeah, you can't. But your mentality was just like yeah, there was not one little tiny bit of doubt that you weren't going to smash that last 7k out of the park. And we know that so much bad stuff can still happen in that last 7k. You were just a beast. Like it's yeah. yeah. I, um, you, looked the, you looked out the window. You, still, oh, you knew it was happening. Yeah. You got the three, oh, I, I, three at wise 35K, men. 35K, 36K, my race was like, I knew I was home. You were just I getting, getting started. I was getting emotional going, I've fucking done it. Like, that's how confident I was. Cheers, and then guys. I had to shake out of it and go, no, no, you stay focused. You start to, like, collect some more seconds. You could go 219 here. Like, you could, you could do something that you never even thought you could do. And then um, that was when I was picking guys up. Like it was a little bit more spotty, the packs by by then. So you'd sort of pick up random people, um, and you'd get an like I didn't have my watch on, so I didn't really know what I was going to finish in. But I thought two nineteen car is way behind. I could finish a minute in front of them. You've just got to go. And um, and like so, I, by the time I finished, like I was coming down. Brandenburg Gates, 400 to go. I kind of couldn't really see the finish time. Then you get to 40k mark and you can see the, the clock flash, and it was it, it had just ticked over 217, 59, 218. No, 40, like, 42k mark. Oh, yeah, sorry, 42k mark. Um, 200 meters to go. I was like, fuck, I've, I got it. 219 finished. I can do it. I'm on here, And son. then coming, coming down the finish straight, like, Crowd, not interested one bit in this guy running 218. All they want to know about is the, the, the chicks that are a minute and a half behind it, which is fair enough. It's a massive race. And, like, everyone's faces are checking out, like, how far is the chick away? And I went across the rock line. There's no, like, cheering. I don't know anyone there. And I'm like, huh, this is really, like, underwhelming finish. And because I'd already celebrated at 38K, like, I knew I was going to achieve my goal and I'd started to get a little emotional back then. I finished the line, stopped my watch and walked up. I'm like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> that was good. Did you get a fist now, pump or something going? I'll try, didn't you pay for the videos? I'll try to look up your videos if you crossed the line, but it said you didn't pay for them. Of course I didn't pay for them. It's like fucking 50 euros. Mate, HD, Watch yourself. you don't run 217.43 every day of the week, do you? 
you know what? You know, yeah, like, well, tell you what, if there's know. any listeners out there who want to pay for Julian's videos, it'd be really appreciative. Oh, well, we have a bowling club, mate. Mate, someone will pay for those. Give me, I'll give you the hot tip. Someone will email me tomorrow no, morning. No, please don't do that. That would be embarrassing. I'll pay for them. I'll do it later. Yeah, and I'll look you up trying to see what the emotions were like crossing the line. That's the kind of research I do for one of Australia's top 10 local podcasts. If there was a camera at 37, you would have got it. 38. Fist pump at 38. Threw my arms up in the air like, yeah. Did you? Did it. <laughs> I reckon I Carl... I ran past Ali's husband, Jace, and um, Dom, uh, and Sock, main man. Good boy. And um, I saw them, and they were cheering wildly, and I was like, gave them a bit of a fist pump, like, fuck yeah, done it. And they had no idea what I was on about. And, um, from there, it was like, okay, sort of refocus finish as fast as you can, um, yeah, and and then wait for you to, to cross, um, and, oh, yeah, I was, like, I know you wanted sub 220, I'll let you tell it. Go I did, on. I didn't, though, like, I, I never went into the race saying my goal is to break 220, I, um, but, yeah, to go back to, so we were together at kind of, like, 34, 35, I was struggling, and you kind of went up to me, and kind of, I, I sat with you, and you kind of brought out a, Probably extra couple of um, couple of seconds out of me to get to 35k, and I remember hitting my watch at 35k, and it was maybe like 16:23, and I was like, "Well, that's the fastest 5k split of the day, and you weren't feeling too too bad." So you kind of you're still on for a really fast time, though, even though you're feeling bad. And then just 36, I was kind of feeling a ride, and at just every k under the belt from 35 onwards, it just got just way more painful, and then. I was just thinking, oh, here we go again. Because I'm, you know, going into Berlin, I was like 0-2 for the marathons. Like I said to you at the expo the day before, I think that I haven't really ran one where it's been a, a nice experience. Like every time I run a marathon, there's 20, you know, 20, 30 minutes at the end of it where you really got to dig deep to finish the marathon. And it just becomes about trying to survive to the finish line, not actually racing and running really strong through to it. And it's just a really... Um, Oh, it's a really negative way to run, and you you learn a lot about yourself as probably a human about what you're made of to be able to finish it off and dig mentally deep and kind of keep it together for that period of time when you've already been running hard for for 35k. And I just remember hitting my watch and just thinking, just do 10 minutes, like just get to your watch to say 10 minutes, and then reevaluate then. And I kind of did that, and I, I knew when I hit the wall, I remember. It was maybe, you know, 6K to go, and I kind of thought, that's, that's 20 minutes. You just got to do 20 minutes of running and, yeah, nail the first, well, I didn't nail, but I survived the first 10K, and I had an emergency gel in my back pocket and had that after you left me, and it just took me forever to get it out of my little back pocket zip. Like, I just couldn't even open it. Like, I just remember running along thinking, there's no zip here. There's no way I can even find this gel in my back pocket, and, um, you know, it probably took me 200 metres just to find the zip and to be able to open it up, and few guys went past me and I tried to hang on to them and um yeah then a couple there's so many turns in that last kind of 2k and I went through 40k thinking you can still break 220 here like this is this is still on if you can find something here in the last 2k and then I um yeah one of those right hand turns I could see the car just as I went around the corner I thought oh yeah right that's the lead the lead female is going to hunt me down here in the last um k and a half and you know, that's when Tony Payne went past me and he was flying and 
he was moaning and really digging deep, and I was like, oh, good on Tony. Like, he's really grinding this out, whereas my legs just felt super weak, and I felt like I couldn't put the foot down and really drive home because I wasn't sure how my body was going to respond, which, you know, may just be a bit of a mentally or physically weak thing that I don't want to push that extra extra bit and kind of grind it out. But, um, yeah, I was... I was pretty over it by the end, kind of got to Brandenburg Gate and I thought, right, I'm not going to collapse here, I'm going to make it and coming down the straight, kind of a bit of surprise that the time was still so close to 2.20 considering things went pear-shaped pretty quick and yeah, I saw you and I was just, um, well, I think my first question was, you know, because I was like, surely if I've just ran two, 2.20.15, you've broken um, 2.19, like easy and you were kind of over the moon and then it, the same thing happened last year. I kind of took a few steps, and then I get really, I got really dizzy, and I just remember saying to you that I'm in, I'm in a bit of trouble here, and um, you just kind of waved to some medics, and yeah, the next thing I knew, I was kind of laying on a bed, and the German doctor had my legs in the air and was asking me questions about what year I was born and where I lived and all those kind of things, and like I wasn't absolutely, I was pretty cooked, but I could still answer her questions, and it just felt like I was really light-headed and yeah it was um it's an interesting experience me in the marathon I still haven't nailed one but you know in the end it was I've been telling people it's a six and a half seven out of ten like to run two twenty fifteen when things don't go that well and um yeah I'm still I think it's a lot of leg strength stuff though like I before I'd never um had the drinks and I thought maybe the drinks will help me in that last 5k and I got them all down got three gels down um got everything down like I think nutrition wise I got it perfect but I just can't seem to be able to race that last 6k it's more of a survive and float through the finish line yeah and the way you say like how you said oh I just like I can't I don't know why I can't fight it out well it's not you are fighting it out and you held on really well still to run to 20, yeah, because I, I like I I'd lost twenty five seconds in the last half, so like it was pretty. Oh, sorry, thirty five seconds. Like it was a pretty consistent marathon, but I just can't I can't race them. Yeah, yeah, but it's different. Like there were marathons like seven, and so it. It's not like the guys, they're not tougher or anything. They're probably they're not able to work through pain. It's probably just like a combination of maybe. I wouldn't start thinking that because that's like, that's not. Can, can, can you hear me? Because that, that just cut out that whole last thing and I was. I was um, certain there were some very wise things that you were just telling me in my quest to go forward in the marathon. <laughs> uh, I, I just said, like, it's not, um, oh, like, you questioning your mental um, results is not the right thing. Like, oh, I've run marathons where totally blown up and and it everyone's done that and it happens to everyone and I think it, it's more like a combination of conditioning and experience rather than mental toughness in, in that case because no matter how tough you are, if you are struggling late in a marathon, 
it, you, you can't run fast if the body's not letting it. Yeah, and that's what it's like. It's just like the body's just like we're done here, mate. Like it's, it's um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it just seems like, and it's just funny that you. I think your brain kind of goes in that protective. You know, we've got to get you to the finish line now. We're not worrying about pushing it. And a couple of those bends, you kind of went around and you just get the wobbles. Like, it's just like you have to take two steps at once and it's like you just check yourself and be like, look, you're going to fall over here if you if you keep this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, the amount of shit marathons that I've had before I had a good one, it took me going out and basically jogging the first half of one and then coming home strong to, to, to be not scared of the marathon anymore. Yeah. I, I had like eight shit ones before I had a good one. So yeah. um, I think maybe you just need that. You just need to go out and um, do a, like run something that's not important to you. Don't have a 10-week build-up for it and just basically get yourself away from this fear almost of what happens late. Yeah, because you're right, because that's what I'm expecting now. I'm just like, okay, when you run marathons, the last 20 minutes is like really dig deep, try not to die, get to the finish line, you know, contemplate retiring from running. Like it's 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 fun up until then and then it just goes, yeah, pear-shaped really quick. Yeah. But, you know, just looking at the facts, I was like, because, I don't know, like a couple of people said to me, like, you know, you could, you could run a blinder here, you're in really good shape and... Like, there's no reason why you can't run 217 or 218. And I kind of, I didn't buy into that too much because I just remember Josh last year when he was in ripping shape and ran, you know, very similar time to what I did um, this year. So I didn't really, I just thought, you know, you know, 220 is really respectful. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that kind of 219 qualifier, I thought, you know, if I have a really good day, I can run a three-minute PB and break 219. But, um, you know, it was all about kind of running hard, I guess, yeah, it wasn't about breaking two twenty. Would have been nice, but I didn't go into the race thinking it's me versus two twenty, and that's a be all and end all. But you know, a minute forty three PB off about it. You know, my training was I had some amazing sessions, but my mileage was still pretty low. I think I averaged one hundred and fifty for the the build up. So you know, yeah, in the third marathon, there's things to be learned and things to another good step in the right direction. I've been telling people. For sure, you're going to be happy. Two twenty ten or two twenty fifteen. That that's that's a minute forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it just you know what it's like as athletes. We're always like wanting more. It's just yeah. It's been good just to sit on holidays for the last week. Just going, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys I respect who have run similar. To, like I know Nate Hardigan's ran two twenty dead, and Nate's always a guy that I've looked up to and respect as an athlete. And you know he probably. Ha- his marathon time probably doesn't represent the ability and skill he's got, but I'm like, okay, I'm 15 seconds within Nate's PB here, so he's definitely someone I've thought about the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, well, he's a guy who should tough start on him. Wrong, he's run 220. But he's a guy who I would think, we have run before we left, actually, and said, Nate, Nate, I think, <laughs> I think Collis said it best, he's like, Nate's good at two and running marathon, or something like that. But then I sort of threw and said, oh, well, he's marathon yet, not for how good he is. 
Yeah, you just cut out all through that again. Did you hear any of that, Brad? No, no don't worry about it. Not important. The Italians are cutting him down. Right out. That's a good. That's a good recap, I think. Let's. Uh, you got to get out for your reservation yep. soon, Brad. I reckon. So let's just finish off. Um, where are you going to next, Brad? What's up? Where to from here? Holiday wise or running wise? No, I know what you do. Everyone he's doing a month around Spain. That's all you need to know for holiday wise. But what's happening running wise? Yeah, just a quick shout out to um to my mate Dominic. He's a uh, one of our Madrid listeners. He um got in touch with me and we went and had a couple of um couple of jugs of sangria the other night. Great guy. <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty cool that the uh, podcast has spread like you know this far. So um in terms of running. Uh, well, I've run every day since uh, I've been in Europe, which is good, and I'm pain-free. Um, so for me, it's just building slowly um, back into uh, sort of I'm at about 105k a week at the moment, just adding five or ten a week while I'm away. Um, so then when I get back, I can I'm at least fit enough to be able to do some decent training. But um, focus for me now is Lake Biwa. So hopefully I can, uh, yeah, get to that one uh, healthy. And um, look, if I'm in similar shape to where I was when I got injured, like on race day, I'll be I'll be happy. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to try a few. I don't think I needed to change too much for what I was doing for Berlin. Um, but I definitely am looking to slow down my easy days um, to more of that 4:30 pace than. I believe like, that. When that happened. Well, 421s four yesterday. Yeah, but you were 358 today. Yeah, long runs. <laughs> so long run, long runs is you know sort of a bit of a session, and um, yeah, but that's that's one goal is to just slow down those um, easy hour runs, um, and also maybe a bit of over distance, like trying to get maybe up to two hours fifty to three hour runs just to condition the legs. Um, because I think that's probably what will come back to get me in the marathon. Um, yeah, I, I think all the sessions that I was doing before Berlin get me will get me fit enough for 2:20. But it's just whether I can last the distance, which comes down to I think just time on my feet. So yeah, so late BY for me, and um, looks like our mate Christian might be heading down under. He like, is well. sending me screenshots, and Christian was a was a um, a person at the after party. He was in attendance, which was really good to see him there. He's sending me screenshots of some possible flights he's booking, and he is. I got the same. One. I got the same ones. Did you like five <laughs> 20, 20 minutes ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's because he's chatting to his girlfriend today. He's boss tomorrow. In a if they give the all clear, he'll book. He's just so, asked if there's any chance for a, a road to Bwa podcast series. Put it, put it to the listeners. We're in, um, yeah, well, we're talking with management at the moment about some possible races going forward. So, um, yeah, a couple of race directors have emailed us about possibly doing one, so that's always good fun. Cool. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, you're, you're, you're set. Julian, what yeah. about you? Going off games or what? <laughs> yeah, right. Does, does something happen? Um, Do they email oh. you? Like, congratulations, Julian, you've disqualified or just hit the qualifier or something? There's nothing. No. no one like Athletics Australia, no. Athletics Australia put a Facebook out post congratulating Ali and Liam. For, um, that's about all I saw. But that, 
I don't expect that anyway. I'm sure ten other people will get it by the time it comes around. Um, yeah. And the way that like they, <laughs> it sounds like they treat certain people anyway. I wouldn't expect myself to get any sort of contact or communication. Even the top guys barely get anything. So um, I'm 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 going to do is no no I'm going to do Steigen 10k. Um, because I don't think there'll be a chance for me to qualify to run Zatapec. Um, and I think Steigen, the Steigen spec, like, to run um, sub 30 for the first time. So that'll be my goal in the short term. Good, good. Good, good goal. Um, I reckon that's about it, fellas. Do you want to. Uh... Sorry, Brad. What are you doing, Brady? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I'm just uh, I'm on holiday mode until next Wednesday, and then I'll go back and I ran today, and the quads are still cooked. I thought after seven days off I'd be fine, but I'm I'm still struggling a bit. So I'm going to give my give myself some time and not kind of rush back. But yeah, similar similar to idea to Julian. That Steigen 10k is perfect if he can get back in time. I did it two years ago after Melbourne. Got back for like a 30:25 that day when it was about 48 degrees. Julian, remember that night? And um, yeah, I'll um, yeah try to get back for that one, and then hopefully build for a marathon in the in the spring. We might be going to China though, boys. We, ne- we never know yet. We'll leave it. We'll yeah. Leave it yeah. Um. Yeah. Right. Good time to be cutting out. Just just loving my gags again. Um. <laughs> anything you want to pass on to the listeners for for the final time in this Road to Berlin series? Uh, oh, thanks so much for all the contact that I've had from everyone over the past three months. Um, there's been some really nice messages come through, uh, advice from other runners. Um, it's been amazing to, to sort of link up with so many runners and also to, to be able to have helped a few people um, along the way, just maybe questions or whether they took anything from, from listening to the podcast, like... That's a pretty special thing. I'm in a lucky enough position to do that, like at work, where I get to talk to new, new runners, experienced runners, every single day. Um, and so, like, I, I really enjoy it. It's part of it's, and it helps me want to learn more. And um, I'm like, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time with you guys. Oh, thank you, Julian. Brad, me too, Julian. Um, yeah, very similar. Like all the messages that came through race week. Um, and I guess I've sort of felt like a bit of a third wheel since I got injured, but um, thanks to those people that have emailed in saying that they've actually got something out of me being injured. So um, that's a positive for me that, you know, somebody gets some benefit out of me not sort of getting to Berlin fit. So, yeah, and um, hopefully it won't happen again. Actually, I've got uh, ever since we went to the Expo in uh, Berlin, I've got, it's going to sound lame, but I've got one of those, you know, uh, wristband things, those plastic ones that they give out. So I've, uh, I've run with that every day and I think I'm just going to have it on just as a reminder of, um, you know, how disappointed I was not to get to Berlin and make sure I don't make that mistake again. Yeah, and look forward to doing another one, hopefully, at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've you know, from something that started as just me emailing you guys saying you want to have a chat every two weeks and then lead up to Berlin and now it's the most downloaded show on the podcast. It's um, 
you know, we've had some conversations about where to next and we've got a bit of a plan and, um, yeah, the listeners, this won't be the last that you hear about with these three people on the microphone at the same time over Skype. So, um, yeah, stay tuned and we'll go forward from there. But thanks again, yeah, boys. Mate, You've given mate. up a mountain of time for, for this project. No worries, Brady. Thanks thanks for putting it together as well. It wouldn't happen without you. And um, it's probably the first time I've felt like it's an individual sport's almost become like a bit of a team. You know, like, and you, you guys alluded to it that when you started running together at 30 odd K, that, you know, it did feel like a bit of a team effort, which is pretty cool in such an individual sport. Yeah, I said the same thing, and it was almost. A couple of people messaged me like, you know, just make sure you smash Julian in Berlin, and it was like, no, no, it's not what, it's not what, no, it is like people from Echuca, so home crowd, like, you know, you got a got a real hate for you after those Aubrey comments earlier in the year, um, but you know, it wasn't as I said, like, you know, my reaction, I think that wasn't, I, did, I had no opportunity to even think about it, but just seeing Julian's face and that he was running well and just embraced him at the finish line and. You know, it was it was even just having beers at like the house party afterwards. It feels like it sounds lame, nice, but we've got a real kind of connection that you know we want to bring the best out about each other, not cut each other down, which we do in our banter. But I think deep down, it's um it's about three of us running well over the next period of time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, enjoy the rest of your holidays. Yep. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for your time. See you we'll talk See to you the up, girls. Mate. We'll talk to the girls at another stage. Okay. Thanks, fellas. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.